1322 WILS. 76 million baby boomers are now reaching a maximum, uh, the age where their maximum vulnerability to Alzheimer's is occurring. And uh, if you're one of them, you want to hear this a new study looking at certain kinds of exercises that can actually um, defer the effects of, of memory loss and dementia for over, over a 10 year period. Dr. Brandon Brock joins us, expert on dementia at Cerebrum Health Centers. Uh, the website is Cerebrum.com. Dr. Brock, great to have you here on WILS. Thank you, sir. It's great to be on. And you guys deal with everything, insomnia, headaches, light sensitivity, memory loss. Now, is the treatment, like, is it different for each thing, or is there one kind of general approach that fixes all of that? Well, you know, I mean, the, the dementia and Alzheimer and all the, you know, conditions that fit into that kind of dementia category you know, general activation of the brain works pretty good, but each person is still individual. You know, they may have other things that contribute to it. So we try to we try to customize it and tailor it to what the person needs. But I love the study so much because it just shows what we've always known, and that is that being an active person in, in every area of our lives, physically, socially, cognitively, that it makes a difference in the way our brain connects, and it's it's a good message. I like it. I'm, I'm really glad that this came out. It was a specific, specific exercises to shore up the speed in which adults processed visual information, and that's what mm-hmm. actually cut the, the likelihood of cognitive decline. What, what kinds of exercises do, does that mean? Well, we do a lot of stuff that deals with if somebody comes in with Alzheimer's disease. We, we kind of couple visual exercises with memory exercises, and working on eye-hand speed coordination so, and then recall speed. Yeah. If, if you're playing video games, is, is that going to help you? Not really the same thing. We like for motor movement, like with your arms and legs and exercise to be combined with visual stuff, not just kind of sitting there moving your thumbs. It's a little bit different. It activates different parts of your brain. In Alzheimer's disease, the front of your brain starts to deteriorate. Video games are very, very sort of in the back of your brain. It doesn't deteriorate as much with Alzheimer's. So what kind of, can you give me an example of the exercise you would do for this? Well, crossword puzzles are, are a big one. Uh-huh. And then doing things like getting out and just physical exercise is, is a big one. And then doing eye exercises and doing things where you remember where you're at and how to get there is really big and hard for Alzheimer's patients. So we have them practice those things. And a lot of times it delays it. You know, we like to catch this stuff before it becomes really, really bad. And how, and how do you? How should you become aware that you might be having a problem? What, what are the signs? Well, we use a one through seven scale. You know, one meaning you really don't have a whole lot of symptoms, and seven means that you're just pretty much done. You know, you, you're you're at the end of the disease, and we don't find that these exercises do a lot of good in stages six and seven. Well, it's too but in late. Stages in yeah. stages three, four, and five, they do good because, you know, you're starting to forget maybe names, places, facts, and figures, and we can do stuff to help, you know, replenish that. Uh-huh. And, and, so so that, would you say the typical person is well aware that there's a problem? Yeah, but the problem is when people find out, they get a little embarrassed, so they don't want to go to their doctor, so they wait too long. I think the big message is once you start finding that you even have subtle signs of it, it's time to start doing some brain exercises to prolong this process, you know, where it doesn't become as aggressive. 
Uh, talking to Dr. Brandon Brock with uh, Cerebrum Health Centers at Cerebrum.com. Do we really have any idea as to why these things happen, why people go through the, the memory loss and dementia? Yeah, we understand the physiology, I think, is, as well as we ever have right now. And there's a, it's very complicated, and there's lots of things that go on with different systems. But, you know, look, the brain is just – it's like anything else. The more you use it, the better it is. When you don't use it, the little connections between the cells are not are not as good. And we know that exercise and, and brain activity makes them stay connected. And uh, You're talking about physical exercise? Yeah, I think physical exercise is a big one. But I also think just sitting there and doing what I just would consider cognitive exercises, like reading and, and brain exercises. And what they're finding in some of these studies is socially engaging and having conversations and the thought that goes into conversations is really important. Tell me this, the stress, real work stress when you're under pressure to perform, do you, is that good for the brain or bad? Well, what they're finding is the stress hormone cortisol deteriorates the part of your brain called the hippocampus, which is what dies off first in Alzheimer's disease. So okay. we take people out of stressful situations if we can. It's very To me, it's important. So you're saying you want to be active with your mind, but not to the point where you're uh, stressing? Is that it? Yeah, you know, there's good stress and there's bad stress. We've all talked about this. What is your threshold? It's different for everybody. But I will yeah. say this, that if you're under constant stress and it's starting to take its toll on your body, you're putting yourself at risk if you're genetically predisposed. The uh, how much of it is genetics, by the way, in your view, the the dementia and Alzheimer's? Mm, well, I really think that there's a significant amount of it that's genetic, but you got to understand something. A lot of these genes get switched on by our environmental exposures. So I don't, I, I don't know how much of it can or can't be avoided. Which I know that genes make you, say, you weaker. You say environmental exposures. What's the primary one? Would you say that you think is the main problem? Well, there's so many theories out there. There's theories that stress triggers it. There's theories that infectious disease is part of it. There's theories out there that mm-hmm. it's an autoimmune condition. Uh, you know, the more stuff that you have, it adds up to a lower probability that anything in this research study is going to make a difference. Any dietary thing that, from your experience, you think might be a factor? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's if you're diabetic, it's going to be become much more difficult for you because you're inflamed and you don't utilize blood sugar well. If mm-hmm. If you have a very unhealthy diet full of, you know, fried fatty foods, that's going to be a problem. So, di- so any- something like diabetes, is that tied into dementia and Alzheimer's in, in your view? It can be because, you know, if you have diabetes, you're not utilizing blood sugar well. Mm-hmm. And you have a higher risk for blood vessel narrowing or small vessel disease. And you have a higher probability for inflammation mm-hmm. of the brain. And we don't want any of those things to happen if we want to prolong your possibility of, you know, we don't, you're not getting dementia. Gotcha, but that's a blood sugar issue, right? Yes, yes it is. So it's so, like too much sugar like, in the system, is that it? Yeah, so your body doesn't process it well, so it goes up in your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And it gets into the brain even? Is that is that what you're saying? It inflames it up there too? Or? Well, your brain utilizes blood sugar a little bit differently, but we know this, that when your blood sugar goes up, it doesn't. It's, it creates damage, but differently. It usually creates inflammation, and it can create damage to the individual brain cells. Okay. Tell me this. You work, what, five five days a week yourself? Yeah, usually I work work about five, six days. I mean, I'm doing brain stuff all day. All day long. Every. So do you, when, yeah. you, when you work on a daily basis, do you, is that enough to, to keep the brain in check, or do you, do you think more needs to be done beyond that? 
Well, I, you know, it's a good question because I think that when people retire, they get sedentary and then they don't go out as much and they don't exercise as much. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they always say that retirement is one of the things that spirals you down into dementia because you just don't do as much. You're trying to relax a little bit. I would just encourage people that when they get to that age, you've got to stay physically active in every realm that you can, Mm -hmm. and and it will help you not age as fast. So you have to be self-motivated at that point. You do. you got to be self-motivated, which ain't always easy, especially when you've had 30 to 40 years of working really hard, and it's just it's time to sit back and be, you know, relax a little bit. But you got to keep your intensity up. But not relax too much. That's the problem, huh? Well, get up. Go to the gym. You know, go out. Go out with friends. You know, watch what you eat. Uh, you know, keep your relationships alive. You know, do some mental games. Play cards. Yeah. Play puzzles. Do that, things like that. That sounds like a lot of work, though. It's a lot of work. I mean, yeah. you know, hey. You're, you're going to work one way or another till till probably the end. Well, well, one last thing, Doctor Brock. You, you deal with insomnia there at Cerebrum. What mm-hmm. do you, are you actually able to fix insomnia that's been there for let's say decades? Well, I mean, it really depends on the cause. Um, you know, you know how it is. Some, people, some people just don't. They can't stay asleep. They just get up. Are you actually able yep. to change that lifelong brain pattern? Yeah, sometimes we do. We find an underlying cause or an underlying problem. Some people have emotional stress. Uh-huh. Just like you said, some people just don't sleep good, so you know they actually need medication. Some people, again, I'll go back to blood sugar. If their blood sugar drops in the middle of the night, which is very common, they wake up and they can't sleep. So we have to identify the underlying factor if it indeed exists. And we get rid of it, and if it doesn't, then you know sometimes we got to manage it with chemicals. That's really interesting. I didn't I never knew that. So they wake up. Are they hungry, or they they're not even aware that their blood sugar is down? Well, the most common time to get hypoglycemia or low blood sugar is in the middle of the night. So your brain kind of gets a little bit of an alert, and so you uh-huh. wake up. And people typically wake up, and they're they don't have a problem going to sleep. They can't stay asleep, uh-huh. and they wake up sometimes hungry, craving sugar. And it's connected to the the hypo the hype. Hypoglycemia, where the blood sugar comes down. Yeah, that's right. Because so, they haven't, they yeah, haven't that, eaten for a different. few hours. Yeah, that's different. So with those people, we just give them a little bit of uh, food before they eat, mm. I mean, before they go to sleep, and then they, they sleep a lot better after they have a little bit of a snack before they go to bed. So, mm. I mean, that's one case scenario where it's really easy to treat, but they're not always that easy. Yeah, I mean, the insomniacs I've known, they uh, it's hard to pinpoint. You know, they're certainly not under stress that I can see. It's just a pattern, you know, the brain just kind of has a way of waking up. I, I'm not sure what it is. Do you see that, too, well, or it's unexplained? Or? Yeah, I mean, some people, we just got to retrain them how to go to sleep. You know, they, they get used to going to bed at 1 o'clock, and they, their, their brain gets used to that. Their circadian rhythms get used to that. And yeah. It takes time to unwind it. Sometimes they have to go through a very uncomfortable period of not sleeping much while they retrain. But it, it is possible to help a lot of those people. Yeah, it's one of the more complicated things I, I think I've seen. Dr. Brandon Brock, find him at Cerebrum Health Centers. Cerebrum.com is the website where they deal with pretty much every type of brain issue you can imagine. Uh, Dr. Brock, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Have a great yep. day. And the good news, of course, is that a new study shows that these exercises can actually help you stave off dementia for uh, for many, many years. So uh, it's good to keep your brain active. Um, and one way to do that is by tuning in to, to us and joining the conversation. Because we, we love to get your thoughts, by the way. If you've been listening to the program and, and uh, you've had 
comments that obviously you can't uh, bring on the air, send us an email and let us know so we know what you're thinking. It's ccrecap at gmail.com, ccrecap at gmail.com. Michael Cohen, producer Mike Peterson, we're back uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m. Good night.